Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Shutdown Coverage, your number one show for news and debate about the NFL with a distinctly British flavour. On this week's show, we digest week 12 of the NFL season. More shocks, more surprises, more 2021 quarterbacks being benched. Uh, that's a shot towards Zach Wilson and Davis Mills, who are now riding the pine. Ed, I don't do this alone. Ed, how are you? Are you? Have you enjoyed another fantastic week of NFL football action? And are you ready to delve in to the next week of football action? Well, I'm not riding the pine, so that's good. You haven't got rid of me yet. Not but, yet. Um... I mean, we're in negotiations with someone. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're great, Rosie Tom. Um, <laughs> so um, no, I'm yeah, I'm good. Um, I really enjoyed the game on. Th- um, when was the last game on Monday? Wasn't it the Steelers Colts? Mm-hmm. It's a good game. You know, enjoyed that, which has been quite rare this year. I think the the Monday and Thursdays have been so so. I'll be honest, even some of the late games on Sunday haven't been amazing. Mm-hmm. They flexed this week. Um, uh, Denver against who was it? Who were Denver playing? Uh, even the Ra- Ravens. Um, they they flexed that out, which is you know really good, and put in um, the. Charges and Raiders, I think, which isn't amazing, but you know, it's a pretty good, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good game. Well, I mean, going off what you said as well, I think really it goes to show because there are so many teams. Because as a Bears fan, I'm really super into draft position right now, yeah. and there's so many teams. Like one win can yeah. put you, you know, you could lose five or six draft positions at the moment. It's absolutely crazy how bad the bottom of the NFL are right now. There's a, a massive clump of these guys who are just absolutely woeful. I mean, Raiders, Broncos, uh, obviously Texans, Bears, Jaguars are still 4-7. and seven. Colts are, aren't even picking in the top 10, I don't think, and they're 4-7-1. and one. I mean, it's crazy just how bad the bottom of this is and how dominant some of the other teams on the other end. Obviously, you've got your Eagles, you've got your Vikings, your Chiefs. You know, they're all absolutely decimating all of these teams so far. So let's zoom on into our first little segment of the day. And let's talk about the shocks of the week. I think, once again, I don't think this was a week of massive shocks. I think there was a lot of 50-50 games where maybe the underdog kind of came through. But I wouldn't say shock was the big thing. But any games really tickle your fancy um, as the Chlamydia podcast, as we are known now. (laughs) Any games tickle your fancy in uh, in this week's games, anyway? I think there was four that were interesting, mm-hmm. but only one was a shock, I would say. So the four I'd highlight, the Panthers beating the Broncos so resoundingly mm-hmm. was a shock. We we said on the last week's podcast it was a pretty 50-50 game. We both went Broncos, I believe. Yeah. But for the Panthers to beat them so soundly... And I think at this point, Broncos fans have got to seriously ask some questions about Russell Wilson. You can blame Nathaniel Hackett, you can blame injuries, all you want. Let's be fair, really good quarterbacks rise above. And so there's some really serious questions, and we'll, we'll dedicate some time to that at some point, but not tonight, on Russell Wilson's future. Uh, the Browns beating the Bucks was a bit of a shock. Mm-hmm. And in the way they did it, they did the two-minute drive, they did the end of the game, you know, winning drive to seal it when you'd have thought it'd be Tom Brady and the Bucks. Raiders beating the Seahawks, I think it was a bit of a shock. Yeah. Not, not a huge one. Mm-hmm. But the main one is Raiders-Jacks. 
Um, I'd like to know how few people predicted the Jags to win that game. I'd imagine it's somewhere around 5%. I don't imagine it's very high. So I think that was a genuine shock. And again, the way the Jags did it, Trevor Lawrence leading them down. He had his best moment as a pro, as far as I'm concerned, leading them down the field, two minutes to go against a Ravens defense, which, to be fair, has talent and marching down and two-point converting to win the game. Mm -hmm. So ultra clutch. I think that was a big worry for the Ravens, who were supposed to be sprinting through this easy end of the season schedule. And a big win for Trevor Lawrence, who frankly has looked 15% better than last year, which was a disaster. So big moment for him. Yeah, I mean, going off both things that you said, I think the Ravens, we talked about this last week, I feel the Ravens just play down to whoever they're playing. I think when they're at their best, they can probably go toe-to-toe with most of the teams in this in this game. I mean, ultimately, I don't think they beat the, the very tippy-top, in my opinion, but I think they'd give anyone else a run for their money. But I also feel that they would play the Texans into a into a late, you know, drawing, tying game, in going into the final couple of minutes and stuff. You're thinking... How are the Ravens doing this? And I think it's a mix of fumbles. Obviously, it was Gus Edwards' fumble, I think, late in the game against uh, against the Jags, which kind of didn't help things. Um, one other thing, just before we go on to the next stage, Raiders, are they, they're shooting themselves in the foot right now. They're going on a winning streak at the worst possible time for this franchise. I think if you're going to be bad, you might as well get a good draft position. And, and they're really, and as are a few teams, I mean, the Panthers are another one. I've just, and they're even worse because at least the um, Raiders could carry on with Carr. But who the heck do the Panthers have? A lot of teams, a bad teams, shoot themselves in the foot at the moment. I think the Raiders, I would I would somewhat disagree. I think Seahawks, um, not Seahawks, sorry, Panthers, yeah, 100%. They, they desperately need a quarterback. Yeah. They need to be in the top five. And who knows, they might be in the top five at the end of the season, slash trade into the top five. So I do, I do agree with that. And they need blue chip players all over the place so they could do the high second round, a high third round, or all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But the Raiders, I think, have got their quarterback, I think, and they've got quite a lot of talent on the field. So actually, yeah, they could do the blue chip player here or there. But actually, they need consistency. And you can get that in the mid, middle of rounds going down. You can get consistency. You can fill in those gaps. Their issue is the fact they're going to have no cap space So because they spent it all this year. So they're not going to be able to bring in a lot of free agents to fill those gaps. It's going to have to be the draft. But I think for them, actually, winning games is good. Josh McDaniels needs positivity around him. The Raiders need positivity around them going into next season. They need to finish this season as sort of an 8-9 and nine team or 7-10 and 10 team or whatever and say, look, we won some games towards the tail end of the season. Josh McDaniels' offense is starting to take off and they can go into next year with confidence because if they finish in the top 10 by the end of the year, McDaniels should probably be fired and they should be starting over again, which is not what they need. I don't think they will, though. I think that there's a lot of rumours coming out, they, as we said last week, that they just can't physically afford to pay for another coach. So I'm, Or he's a lame duck, you know. Yeah, that's it. But um, that puts us into a good situation to move on to the next segment. We're talking about the sack race. As I always say, we're not glorifying in the piece, people losing their jobs. Probably now, and from the fact that Nathaniel Hackett, despite losing again, is still in a job, I'm coming to the determination now that no one is going to lose their job before the end of the season now. Ed, obviously I've just mentioned Hackett. The other guy I wanted to ask you before you kind of laid out a few others, Todd Bowles. So another crushing loss. Rumours as well, 
because of the politics that have come with all it, Bruce Arians moving into this upstairs job or whatever, you know, rumours of clashes with Tom Brady. They moved on to Todd Bowles because that seemed like the safe pair of hands. A lot of rumours that they wouldn't move on from him as well. Do you think he's a guy who should be looking over his shoulder as a as a potential lame duck candidate? Well, he's second on my list. <laughs> this, this was supposed to be a Super Bowl contending year. That yeah. roster is still stacked. Don't don't make any mistakes. That yes, they've let a couple of players go, and yes, they've had a couple of injuries. But they still brought in some quality players over the offseason. They got Shaq Mason basically from the Patriots. He's brought in a top five guard in the league for free. Effectively, yeah. the GM Jason Light did his job again. It's nothing to do with the players that are on that roster. Mm. They need to be Super Bowl contending, and they're currently, I think, it's five and six. Yeah. After another, like you say, crushing loss against the Browns, so I think he has to be on the list. If they can't afford to fire him or something like the Raiders, then well, that's tough on them. But he should absolutely be on the list. You know, Arians has gone to a Super Bowl and a championship in the last two years. You can't then take over the team. Go five and six. Now, if the locker room really believe in him, so you give him another year, I'm up for that. I think Todd Bowles is a very good defensive coach and could be a good head coach. I'm not giving up on him. Mm. But at the same time, if he got fired, you couldn't exactly complain. And the Bucks are an interesting scenario because next year, Brady's got to be gone, surely. I mean, he's regressing actually noticeably at this point. Now, is he still top 10 quarterback for me? Yeah, he is. But compared to top three for basically his entire career, apart from the early years, he is regressing, and the Bucks look like they're going to be churning over their roster at the end of this year, and then potentially a coach being fired. The Bucks could go back to being the Bucks after a very short time in the sun, shall we say? I mean, the only thing is, before we go any further and talk about a few other candidates, is you kind of the fact that they had that little winning run as a Bucks fan. You have to just accept it. Uh, if, oh, if, yeah. if I was a Bears fan and I managed to win a Super Bowl, well, I didn't manage to win. If my team managed to win the Super Bowl, I wouldn't care if the rest of the years were turmoil or whatever. And the same you could say arguably about a guy that we mentioned last week in this. Not that he'd be sacked, but as a guy who may walk away, Sean McVay. He is uh, another guy that may decide to move away from the sport after this year because of the fact that he doesn't really need it. There's going to be a massive turmoil in this Rams team. Do you think, this is kind of not really sack race related, do you think the trade with the Lions is one of those very rare win-win trades in terms of the fact that the Rams got Matthew Stafford, they won the Super Bowl, they're now playing absolutely dreadfully and are in line for a top three pick, which would then go to the Detroit Lions, which would help them potentially move on to their franchise quarterback for the future. So, is it the ultimate win-win? Yes, not necessarily in the sense of it's the best possible outcome for both teams because both teams didn't get a uh, all-pro quarterback for the next 20 years each, you know, or something like that. But yes, I think it is a win-win. I think the Rams got the Super Bowl, as you said, that's all that matters. And Stafford will still be there for a few more years and play at good level, presumably. I think the team around him is letting him down. He's got some injuries. And Goff, let's be fair, has played well. Let's be honest. He's not a top 10 quarterback, but he has played well with good weapons, but nothing exceptional in a franchise that's used to losing. And I think he'll be a really good mentor, I think, for whoever comes in next year. And possibly it'll be a redshirt year. Let Goff play for another year. Let the team gel, bed in, and then the other guy takes over the year after. 
So apart from those four people we've basically had a little chat about so far, is there anyone else on your list that we haven't mentioned? Uh, two standards, Cliff Kingsbury and Lovey Smith. <laughs> but I, I, I do think it's getting hotter for them. Cliff, with another loss, even though the performance was quite good, it was another loss against a mediocre team in the Chargers. So that doesn't look good. Lovey Smith, because of the way they lost in Miami, that was different to most of those losses. I know we all know he's gone at the end of the year. You've said that for weeks and weeks and weeks. But I think this could result in a little bit sooner just to give someone internally a go who maybe they think a lot of. He'll take over for a few games and because that was bad. Like that first half was abysmal and the whole game wasn't far off abysmal. Yeah. And the other one who I've mentioned before, but not for a few weeks, is Dennis Allen because... Again, the Saints are going backwards pretty quick. I know 80% is not his fault. So he should get another year. I'm backing him to have another year. But I think they are going backwards quickly. This is a team that was held together last year without Drew Brees, with the same sort of team by Sean Payton. And also now it's going backwards with Dennis Allen. Optics-wise, there's only one person to blame. Yeah. And I mean, I know he's more of a defensive coach, so that's probably more on his OC, but they were held scoreless at the weekend. And granted, the 49ers are, are a very, very good sign, a very good defense, but that's that's tepid play when you can't even put a single three points on the board or two yeah. points, I suppose, if it's a safety. Anything, a safety, whatever. <laughs> that's true. Um, and Where's the defense, man? Yeah, exactly. But, um, I mean, yeah, they held them to 13 points. But I think anyone who watched any of that game saw that the 49ers were pretty much in control of it from, from the off. And it was yeah. uh, it was all one-way sledding there. So, yeah, so I think we covered all of those those sack candidates there. And once again, we don't glorify in this at all. But I think it's very, very interesting to discuss because for a lot of teams, we are now getting towards a time where we are looking towards the future and not the current present. Speaking of the future, Ed, we have our scores. And I think from the scores we got, it looks like we have a limited ability to see into the future, just how well we've done this week. So, Ed, do you know how well we've done? Uh, no, I don't. I, I did have a look at the games and thought, I think I'm roughly somewhere there. But no, I didn't actually tote it up. Yeah. So we actually both finished on 11 and 5 this week. So... What you do not want right now, being four games behind, is to draw with me. But unfortunately, like-minded individuals like ourselves have ended up doing so. And, and the games we split on, which I believe memory serves for me, I backed the Steelers and you backed the Colts. And the game you backed, I can't remember off the top of my head. Was it Chargers Cardinals? It may well have been i can't remember but uh, anyway whoever i backed did terribly oh no it was um titans um that's right titans bengals there you go you went for the bengals and i decided to back the ryan Tannehill titans for some reason anyway more fool me and and for future reference maybe i won't do that next time so ed at this time we always like to talk about our great nemesis our podcast rival greg rosenthal and how he has done this week how has he done has he drawn with one of us is he beating us this week what's the score so he was 99 and 64 and one entering this week he went 10 and 6 so he got hey! one less than us and he is now 109 70 and 1 okay and just for clarification as well ed you are on 108 and 71 and i am on 112 and 67 
Ooh, close. Right. Close for all of us, actually. Yeah, it's if yeah, all of us, including our great nemesis. Yeah. So, Ed, let's move on. You know, a nice brisk pace we've set this week on to the predictions for week 13. So, there's a, a little boring game in the AFC East between two, you know, sort of rivals. Boring game. Ed, would you like to talk about the titanic clash between the Bills and the Patriots in what is a division with no losing teams. Everyone has a win percentage above 500. This is one of the one of the divisions which is really, really competitive right now. Ed, what's your thoughts on who do you think comes prevails in this titanic clash? I think shockingly so in the FC East's case as well, because the Dolphins are top, so not, no one predicted that really. No. Um, the Bills are looking really good, but not quite as good as people thought. The Patriots are scrapping by, which is people kind of thought they would. And the Jets are winning games, you know, the majority of the time. So it's it's a crazy division. So it's Bills and Pats. I think the Bills are clearly the better team top to bottom. They are going to be missing that one of their offensive tackles and Von Miller, which is a double blow. Dion Dawkins is out. So that is a big double blow for them. Uh, the Patriots are yet to rule out players uh, as we make these picks. So maybe they'll be missing people too. But that's that's quite a big blow for the Bills. However, they are clearly still more talented in pretty much every department. I'd say the Patriots running backs are better mm-hmm. and tight end room are better. But apart from that, the, the Bills win in every department and in some win by a distance, such as mm-hmm. defensive line, quarterback, yeah. things like that. So, in theory, it should be a Bills win. That is what I've gone for. I think the Patriots will play it tough because the Patriots are well coached and they, although they have given up more penalties than pretty much ever in a Bill Belichick team, but nevertheless, well coached, well strategized, do their job. They have got talent on that team and the, the offensive showing in Minnesota was very positive against, you know, a decent defense in Minnesota as well. It's turned out to be better than people thought, including myself. So, that was positive. But I think Josh Allen's too much. We don't deal with running quarterbacks well at all. And he is obviously very good in the passing game, although we deal with that better. We just can't contain running quarterbacks ever. It doesn't matter if it's Lamar. It doesn't matter if it's Josh Allen. It doesn't matter if it's people who don't really even run, like Ryan Tannehill. If you can just run a little bit, we just seem to struggle. If you're in the pocket, we dominate you. If you get out of the pocket, we struggle. That just seems to be the, the way it is. And the Buffalo D should be able to handle the Pats offense really I don't think it'll be as bad as the three-point showing against the Jets but I, I don't see them scoring more than 17 and I just can't see the Pats D holding the Bills to 16 or less yeah I, it was kind of what I was going to go with as well a little bit I was just having a little browse on my phone at the over and under for this game and I actually am tempted to go and it's a very low under it's 43 and a half points but I am tempted to go with that because I, I for a start I don't have much faith in the Patriots consistently to put up points as you said before and the Bills have been inconsistent with their with their scoring really I mean you're sometimes you're yeah, they're, they're making it 25 or something like that. But there are games when you're thinking it's like 2017 and stuff like that against teams that realistically, even as a Bears fan, I'd be expecting the Bears to put up more points against. So I have a feeling it's going to be a, a low-scoring game. It's going to be a, a run-fest from the Patriots as they try and control the clock. But yeah, I've gone for the Bills in this one. They are the better side pretty much 
throughout with a few notable exceptions, I suppose. Mac Jones, I suppose, had a better game from what I could hear last week. So that's a plus for them. But he's shown no consistency so far. And I'm sure if it goes badly again, there'll be more Bailey Zappy chance coming from the stands. But as I said, I'm going to go for the Bills in this one in a close, low-scoring game. That Let's say it's going to be in bad weather. I'd actually have no idea. But I just have a feeling this time of year, it's going to be shitty weather. And uh, it's not going to be the nicest of games to watch. So that's what we all want to do on a Thursday is watch a game between two teams drudging it out. Let's move on now to a game which, I mean, realistically, you don't know what you're going to get from either of these two teams. So it's the Steelers at the Falcons. It's the first game on Sunday. Steelers looked pretty good against the Colts. The Colts kind of shot themselves in the foot with some dodgy timeout calling and everything else, which probably helped the Steelers to win the game. But they've been competitive in games. They picked up the odd shot game, like the game against the Bucks, And the Falcons, so hit and miss. We kind of gave the idea, kind of thought process, that we considered that the Falcons were starting to tail off. And yes, they pulled out a victory a couple of weeks ago against the Bears, but they were lucky to win that game. And before that, they'd lost. And and then last week, they lost as well. So Kyle Pitts is out for the year. So that's not a big... I mean, it should be a big miss, but with the Arthur Smith offense, he hasn't really been featured as much as we'd think. I just don't know. I, I think looking at this team at the Falcons, I, I can't trust him. Mariota is playing... He's never played particularly fantastic, maybe apart from the odd game, but he's not running the ball as efficiently at the moment. He's managed to stay on the field, which I think by his standards is very, very encouraging for him. But yeah, I, I can't bring myself to back the Falcons this one. I've actually gone for the Steelers. I think the Steelers are on the up. It's a Mike Tomlin effect, as always. They've got... Pickens, they've got Pickett, they've got Najee Harris. I know he might have a abdominal injury, and as far as I'm aware, at the moment, we don't know any more details about that. But if he plays, he's a playmaker. TJ Watt has obviously had an amazing impact on the defense since he's come back in as well. So, yeah, I'm going for the Steelers in this one. And what people would consider a, a sort of a minor shock, but. For me, this game is a 50-50, and I'm going to go for the Steelers winning this one. Yeah, I think the Steelers had a big win against the Colts. Though the Colts aren't that good of a team, they obviously had a good recent win and were feeling themselves a bit, and it looked like they were on the up, and then the Steelers went in there obviously Monday night and won the game. Deservedly so from everything I've heard. I say Kenny Pickett's starting to stabilise a bit, which is a big deal for them. Pickens has been awesome. Najee Harris being out, if he is, really made me think about this game. I was going to take the Steelers anyway. But then when he, he was out, I thought, oh, you know, it's that's a big deal for them. They need to be able to run the ball. But I think um, Pitts being out for the Falcons is huge because, yes, he hasn't had a massive season, as you've rightly said, but he just demands attention. Mm-hmm. And now that attention can go on to the couple of weapons they've got left. And I think the Steelers D will be able to unleash some blitzes and pressures on Mariota, which I don't think he'll cope with very well. So I'm going to take the Steelers as well. Nice. And as always, people, we are agreeing always uh, in the early stages and we will see if the later games can make us have a small schism. So, Ed, moving on to game three, another game that's, I mean, it's it's not a game that whets the appetite for me. 
Broncos at Ravens. What's your thoughts? Two good defenses and two, well, one very spluttery offense and one offense that maybe isn't putting up as much points as it should. Yeah, Lamar's got to come under a bit of criticism now. You know, we all jumped on the idea. Well, I'm not saying we all did, but a lot of people jumped on the MVP chant at the start of the season. Now those same people have got to be honest and go the other way and say, it's not good enough. Mark Andrews and a couple of the guys might be your only targets, but, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have your own mobility, you have a decent run game and you have some targets and you have a defence that keeps the other team reasonably low on points usually gives you a turnover in their half because they're kind of a ball hawking team so yeah Lamar in this offense could do with a really good showing in this game and if they do that would be a massive step forward because you say the Broncos defense is still good you've got to realize they're not giving up a lot of points and they're on the field all the time and the mentality in Denver must be negative so if you're dealing with that negative mindset and short fields and you're on the field all the time to give up the points they're giving up, they're doing pretty well. So if Lamar and the Ravens offense can get going, I think that'd be a big step forward. The Broncos offense, I think, is broken. Mm-hmm. I think if they even had a good game here, I'd say I don't care. The next week, they're going to go back to what they were. I just think it's at that stage. They might have a flash in the pan game, but I don't think it's anything more than that. I think the Broncos have got to be starting to really question each other in that locker room there's just no momentum whatsoever. This was supposed to be a big year for them. Russell Wilson was supposed to be the big free agent and he's done literally nothing. And I haven't heard anything about him being a particularly great leader either. Not a bad leader, but not a great leader either. So what's he bringing to this team? A debt? You know, at this point, what, what's he bringing to this team? So I think there's got to be lots of questions being asked. The Ravens will be pissed after the loss in Jacksonville. So they've got all the motivation as well. They're the better team and they're at home. The Broncos have got no offense. So I think you've got to pick the Ravens. If you pick the Broncos and it's correct, I think that's an amazing pick. But I think anyone picking the Broncos would have a real hard time justifying, I'm not just doing it because I want odds for my bet, my accumulator or whatever. Yeah, we all have done it once in a while where we've picked, we've just gone like, I don't know, football or American football or whatever. You've just picked the the long odds for every game. We've gone, oh my God, if I, with this pound, I can make 1,700,000. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you're not going to win. You're relying on like President Trump coming out into the middle of the game and playing running back for the uh, Denver Broncos. And Hilarious. Play. Yeah, I mean... I mean, he, he basically his skin looks like the uniforms. So I, I mean, <laughs> isolated half of our audience there by doing that. But I, I couldn't resist. Um, yeah, so I, I've gone the same. I, I think you have to have some sort of insider information or something for you to back the Broncos in this one. They've had their get right games, and it's just not worked. They've they've give. I've been given chance after chance. The Panthers was their get right game. That is the game that you know. That's a team that's basically trying to tank. And uh, Sam Darnold came back in first game of the year, threw for 150 odd yards, didn't particularly set the world alight. Had a, a fumble and then rolled into the end zone to collect his own fumble and got the touchdown, which was kind of his big play of the night, basically. And yeah, I just, I just don't see anything happening for this Broncos team. And it's you know lots of rumors of issues with the within the team. I saw a report just now saying that only half the players went to Russell Wilson's birthday party. Now, I'll be perfectly honest, none of the people I work with came to my birthday party. So does that mean I'm less of a leader than Russell Wilson? I don't know. But 
it's obviously something they're trying to highlight as an issue. There was a big screaming match on the sidelines between Mike Purcell on the D-line and Russell Wilson as well, and Hackett doing nothing to try and break it up or anything. So it's just an absolute, well, it's an absolute terror show, isn't it? It's an absolute nightmare for them. Uh, and may we never forget that Ben from the last Wednesday of the week podcast bet for the uh, Broncos to win the Super Bowl and Russell Wilson to be the MVP. So quick shout out to Ben if you're listening. That's gone terribly badly. So yeah, I'm going Ravens as well. I think any other team I'd be starting to think, "Mm, I don't know if I can back the Ravens just because as you said, I've liked the defense recently. That's been quite good. That's picked up with some big additions such as Roquan Smith. But they do play down to their opponents. And Lamar, as a big game hunter he is, is just prone to a silly turnover, an interception, a fumble on a big run, or just some something silly which gives the other team the opportunity to get back in the game. But I just don't think this Broncos team are capable of winning a game. So I'm going to go for the Ravens in this one. So, Ed, moving on to a game which could have involved the battle of the backups, but... Aaron Rodgers himself has come out and said he will be playing after leaving the game against the Eagles last week. Uh, This is the Packers' get-right game. They're playing the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Chicago literally have no players left. I am about to be called up to play outside (laughs) the back for this team. Because, yeah, they've lost Khalil Herbert. They've lost possibly Justin Fields. We don't know. But as I said to you off-air, if I was a Bears fan, unless he's 100% fit, and you're playing a side that isn't liable to mash you into the ground, I wouldn't play him. I just think it's too much going wrong. Chase Claypool is a possible question mark. Darnell Mooney, is, I think it's a broken ankle. They've been very coy with his injury, but he's going to have surgery for the to end his year. Eddie Jackson has a Liz Frank injury, so his year's finished. It's just massive playmakers throughout our team. What few playmakers we will have have just been plucked out of the team, and it's just like David Montgomery you're the only one left. Just have at it, brother. Because everyone else is is gone. So uh, there's no way I can back the Bears in this one. This is the get-right game for the Packers. And it was going to be very interesting to see if Jordan Love was going to play if Aaron Rodgers wasn't 100% fit. And also, he actually came on and was okay at the weekend. He wasn't the horror show that he'd been previously. And therefore... It would have been another interesting thing, the kind of battle of the backups, because Trevor Simeon is going to be playing for us probably. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anyone who can back the Bears as things go, because they were outclassed by the Jets. They they tried hard. They're well coached. They're, they're, they're up for it. They've got the spirit. But at the same point, they've just not got the talent anymore. They're all injured or traded away. And yeah, if you back the Bears, once again, you're just going for that contrarian, long odd shot because uh, the Packers, even if they have their own problems, even if Aaron Rodgers is 100%, they're just going to dice the Bears up and it's going to be another, what is it, I own you game for, for Aaron Rodgers in Chicago. Yeah, I think if Jordan Love was playing, then they would just run the ball all over you with yeah. their running backs. So I agree that if Jordan Love was playing and Trevor Seaman was playing, I'd still be back in the Packers. Um, obviously, I am back in the Packers as it stands. I think if Justin Fields was playing and was 100% healthy, let's say no no injury had happened, he was 100% healthy, and Claypool was playing or something like that, yeah. I'd be genuinely tempted because that offense has been really explosive and it would make the Packers be explosive. Now, they should against your defense, as you've said. 
but it would force that on them. And that would be quite interesting to see how the Packers reacted to that. But as it is, yeah, I can't see any way the Bears really win this game. It would have to be a, another bad weather game or just a freak, a, a, you know, freak occurrence or the Packers, like they've been wanting to do this year, just absolutely just fall on themselves. And that's, you know, kind of like the Detroit Lions game where they just kept throwing interceptions and stuff like that. But I just can't see it myself. And it sounds like neither can you and probably most of you at home listening to this now. So we're going to game number five. We've got the Jacksonville Jaguars travelling to Detroit to play the Lions, the ascending Lions. Yes, they lost last week, but they gave it a good go and they were going on a bit of a winning streak. And and things, you know, it's, it's amazing what a few wins can do because things really seem quite rosy in the Detroit Gardens, if Detroit have gardens. Ed, what's your thoughts on this game and who are you backing in this one? Because both teams uh, have got some interesting momentum coming at the moment. And we were talking before the show about there being lots of intriguing games this week in the sense of tough games to pick. And this is a tough game to pick. The Lions, as you said, ascending and have been for a while. Lost to the Bills, but no shame in that whatsoever, especially how the game played out. They did a really good job. The Jags, obviously not having a great year, but have been feisty at times. And then obviously a massive win over the Ravens. They'll be really feeding themselves this week of practice. Trevor Lawrence really stepped up, which was a huge deal for him as far as I'm concerned. A lot of people may be in the spirit of the moment after the game saying, yeah, he's had a better year this year. This sort of thing was coming. I have to disagree completely. I think he's been marginally better than last year with better weapons. But this was a huge moment for him. And, you know, hopefully he can just keep moving on and better and better as, as, as the season goes on now. As far as who wins the game, I think it's really tight. I think both teams are really quite similar in the fact that they both got a quarterback who's good, but sorry, is solid, mm. uh, but not better than that. They both got some defensive pass rushes, but they've also got massive holes on their defenses. Both have got some good running backs and wide receivers, but they're either inexperienced or a bit injury prone or aren't available right now or they they are available but there's not enough of them there's only one of them available or whatever the situation is so they're really quite similar teams and obviously head coaches are both new in the sense of to these teams not Mm -hmm. you know I know Dan Campbell's been around a while but you know he's not like he's been there six years or anything so it's yeah it's an interesting game I'm going to go with the Lions Mm -hmm. and I think that's two reasons firstly they're at home which in this kind of tight game can make the difference but the other bigger one, because admittedly it is a dome in Detroit, it's hardly as if Jacksonville are going to be freezing to death. But I think the big thing is the Lions have just got more big play potential for me. I look at the Jags offense and I go, if it's not Christian Kirk, who's really going to bust out for you? Tra- Travis Etienne has been running well this year, but I don't I don't see him doing too many home run hits or massive chunk plays. He's had his share, but not loads. And, and then Christian Kirk, like I said, is the other guy really. And then defensively, I don't know really who I see making huge plays. Whereas I think for the Lions, you've got a couple of defenders alongside Hutchinson that can make some big plays. They've got the linebacker who's on hard knocks, but has actually ended up having a... Rodriguez having a really good year. Mm-hmm. He stuffs the run regularly yeah. behind the Lions scrimmage. And then I think offensively, I'm on Ross St. Brown, uh, Swift. There's just a few more options there to be a bit more explosive. So... It'd be an interesting game, tight game, but I think the Lions win. 
at the risk of sounding boring, I completely agree with you. I, I think this is going to be a close game. I think this is going to be an interesting game. I mean, for Trevor Lawrence and what you said about Trevor Lawrence, I do agree. I mean, I think the last quarter of the game, he was proper clutch. He came up in the big moment and did it. But there's been too few and far between this year. And with certain players, it's a learning process. You don't have... I mean, yes, you have the odd quarterback who comes in off the bat and is fantastic and has the Mahomes experience of, like, as soon as he was given any game time, uh, I know he only played one game in his first year, but from year two onwards, he was just absolutely fantastic. But most guys, it takes a while to get the idea of playing as a quarterback. They've maybe been used to one system their whole life. Maybe they've been used, like Trevor Lawrence, like, I don't think he'd lost until he went, he barely lost, I think he lost, like, two games at Clemson, uh, and that was it. And and then lost no games in high school. And they came to the Jacksonville Jaguars and got pounded constantly. So I think sometimes it takes a little while for these other guys. So maybe for him, it's incrementally better is better than standing still or getting worse. And I think when you look at someone like Zach Wilson, who's really stood still, I think you can say at least Trevor Lawrence seems to be going in the right direction. However, it is probably not as big a steps as we would like. I do agree on everything you say. I think playmakers-wise, Lions have it. I like some of the players. DeAndre Swift, I think, is still carrying an injury, and he's still being out-carried a lot by Jamal Williams, who's having an absolute career year at the moment. He's on Absolutely. course for 1,000 yards himself. Trevor Setien for Jags. He went out very, very early, much to my chagrin and my fantasy football score in the uh, in the last game with a foot injury, literally, I think, on the first drive or the second drive for the Jags. He is cleared to practice again, but I think they're going to ease him back in. So it'll be very interesting to see if they stagger his carries this week as well. So, yeah, I'm just going to go for the Jags as well. I do agree with a lot of what you say. And I think it will be an interesting game, though. And I think both these teams have a bit of momentum on their side, especially after some good wins over the last few weeks. But I said, I think the Lions win this one, like you said. Moving on, we have the Deshaun Watson derby. So we have the Browns traveling to the Texans. Deshaun Watson being activated this week for his first game as a Browns player. So for the Texans, we don't really know who's going to play quarterback. Carl Allen played last week, but it, before there was Davis Mills. It kind of feels like Davis Mills is now not going to come back and they're going to just kind of coast with Carl Allen, who wasn't any better. And as I said to you last week, I kind of don't know why you're not just giving Mills to the end of the year because you're a one nine and one team anyway. Winning games for you would be an absolute disaster. You're in the perfect place to have your pick of quarterbacks. I think the Texans look okay defensively, but as always, they can't stop the run. And guess what the Browns do very well. So even if Deshaun Watson comes in and shows the rust of a guy who's played something like two games in three years or whatever, they are, have some amazing running backs, especially Nick Chubb, who's going to absolutely make mincemeat of this awful Texans defense. I think this is a Browns easy win. Defensively, they've got players who have just not kind of stepped up. Obviously, Miles Garrett basically was the best player on the field for large amounts of the game against the Bucks, But he was the only one that really stood out for me consistently. So, yeah, I'm going to go for the Browns winning this one. I think they'll win it by at least 10 points. It's going to be a horrible reception for him. Rightfully so, as, you know, to be perfectly honest, to nail my colours to the mast. Ed, what's your thoughts on this game in what will be a very, very interesting game to have on Game Pass? 
Well, my first thought is, who says the justice system doesn't care about TV ratings? <laughs> because I, I find it deeply convenient that he's come back when they're playing the Texans. Yeah. That is just too convenient. So, yeah. you know, that that's a bit sad in some ways that surely that took some collusion, which yeah. isn't a, a great thing to think about. Going to the actual game, I think it could be close for a long time. I really do. I think the Texans fans are going to be pissed. I think the Texan players are going to be massively up for this game. I think they're going to take some shots on offense. I don't think they're just going to run the ball and then, you know, run the ball the first six plays and then run one small play action for a little five-yard gain and do all that kind of conservative offense when you're a bad team and you just want to stay in the game. I think they're going to come out throwing the ball all over the place. It might work, it might not. And if it doesn't work, yes, they could be down quick. But between the fact that I think Chubb's going to run the ball loads because they're not going to want to expose Watson, the Browns, especially against the Texans. I think they're going to run the ball loads and the Texans are going to be quite aggressive. I think this game could stay close for actually quite a while and actually get a tiny bit nervous for Cleveland as they go midway through the third and it's still one score and everyone's starting to think, oh no, we can't. Deshaun Watson, after everything they've done this season, can't go back there and lose. But I do agree that the Browns in the end will have too much. They are far too talented to lose to this Texans team who, frankly, at this point, shouldn't be anyone on their remaining schedule. I mean, once again, we're in full agreement on that one. So, Ed, moving on to game number seven. And I think this is probably, to be honest, one of the games of the day. It's the Jets traveling to the Vikings. What's your thoughts on this one, and, and, and who do you think comes out with the victory? Yeah, so this is the battle of two elite units, the Vikings offense against the Jets defense. The Vikings defense is good, but not exceptional. The Jets offense is solid. Mike White definitely got them moving, but again, it's always hard. The first couple of times the quarterback plays, everyone's forgotten all the game film on him. Everyone hasn't got any up-to-date game film on him. Everyone's really been practicing in their long-term practicing, because don't think these teams play their game on Sunday and then start looking at the next opponent. The scouts have been looking at each team for two or three weeks beforehand and from the beginning of the season in their sort of more um, vague, you know, vague scouting. And suddenly, oh, it's Mike White. Right, oh, oh, right, we haven't been looking at him. And, you know, so I think the Jets and Vikings defence and offence will kind of go back and forth at each other and there won't be much to choose between them. So I think it's going to come down to, does the Jets' defence stifle this offence? And I think it's possible. That defensive line is really good, definitely capable of overpowering this Vikings defensive line, which is playing really well, but still has some questions. Are they a bit soft if they if they come up against a really good unit? I think Kirk Cousins has played well this year. I'm, I am a fan of Kirk, but again, he's thrown at a very good secondary It'd be interesting to see what Source Gardner does. Does he trail Justin Jefferson? Or do they double Jefferson and put Source on Adam Thielen or whoever they might put him on? So that'll be really interesting because if they don't think Source will match up well, firstly, for that reason, don't put him on him. But also, you don't. Source is having such a good season. Do they want to almost protect him a bit? Mm. Don't risk that 180-yard Moss game where Justin Jefferson dunks all over him and then that kind of regresses him a little bit. So 
It'll be really interesting to see those units go back and forth. I'm going to go Vikings because they're at home for a start. Also, can Mike White play that well again without much of a running game? I don't know necessarily. Uh, the, the Vikings have also had advance notice. They know it's Mike White this week. There's no surprise this time. And as much as the Jets' defense is really good, I think this offense has got too many playmakers. Because even if you double Jefferson and put Sauce on Thielen, and that's what the Patriots did for a lot of their game, and Justin Jefferson still torched them, and the Patriots have got a good secondary. Even if you do that, you still got to cover up Hawkinson and play Dalvin Cook well. And that's a hell of a lot to ask for a defense that will probably be on the field quite a lot. So I think it'll be quite close, but 28 17 Vikings, which doesn't sound that close, but I think some of those points will come late. Yeah, I completely agree with a lot of what you said. I think I am looking at the Mike White regression game. I think playing the Chicago Bears was the best introduction he could have. The Bears have got no playmakers left at all. And as we talked about before, half of their playmakers that they did still have left then left the field injured during the game. So it was not a a particularly easy situation for the Bears to cope with anybody and never mind Mike White. Uh, I love some of their weapons. I like Garrett Wilson. Elijah Moore was cited again. Their run game would look pretty decent. But the Vikings have got explosive weapons of their own. And as you said, it's kind of a, an attack v defense game and which of these elite units is going to falter. And I just feel the Jets defense is going to be undermined a little bit by the offense in terms of, even though, let's be perfectly honest, the Vikings defense is nothing special at all. But I, I just think, yeah, I think the Vikings win a close one. The big X factors for me, obviously, are Kirk Cousins, who seems to be having a very strange year of sometimes being absolutely perfect like he was in the Bears game. I think he threw something like 17 passes in a row that were were all completed. But then having games where he's throwing some absolutely dumb interceptions, even by his own standards. I think I read a stat a couple of weeks ago. He'd already totaled more than his previous year's interceptions. So this is unusual for Kirk. And I think it's probably been because he's been asked to throw the ball a bit more aggressively than he would be normally because you've got Justin Jefferson who can get up and win any, not even 50-50 ball, 10-90 ball in the defense's favor, he can still win it. So I'm going to go for the Vikings as well. I just think they just have a little bit too much. The fact they're at home as well is going to be a good thing. And even though the Jets have a, a real elite defense, in my opinion, I just feel you need to get something out of that offense. And I know they did last week, but that was against a very, very lame Chicago Bears side. And I think this is going to be another situation for them. So I think the Vikings win. And a, a close game, a bit of a squeaker, maybe a late field goal. Uh, and that's the win. So moving on to the next game, we've got the Commanders going to the Giants. So a nice NFC East clash. And a few weeks ago, it would be unfathomable for any of us to back against the New York Giants because they were on this win streak. But I'll be perfectly honest, I'm going to tell you now, I think they've been found out. I think a mix of injuries, injuries. the more predictable aspects of their gameplay, the fact that they just don't have any wide receivers. Saquon's really tailed off a little bit. I think the run, I think they've seen that if you just bottle up the run and you make Daniel Jones throw the ball, then you have an issue where he just can't, A, because of his ability, and B, because of his wide receiver core, get the pass game going enough to really challenge the other side. So, I'm going commanders in this one because I think they've got some real, I talked about this before, they've got some real momentum behind them. 
Taylor Heineke is the epitome of consistency. He'll get you 170 yards and a two touchdowns, one interception every week, like clockwork. Um, but the defense is playing well. They're getting the run game going. Brian Robinson, um, who's now really starting to get going, he had over 100 yards in the last game. So that's good to see, especially because of the tragic circumstances of the delay of his debut as well. So, I mean, ultimately, I'm going to go with commanders in this one. I think the Giants are really starting to peter out. A mix of injuries, as I said, and the form and, and, and just a lack of of unpredictable play leads this to a tight commanders victory. I agree. I think the commanders are the better team on paper. I think they're currently playing better. I think Ron Rivera is a good, not exceptional, but a good coach. Dayball is looking like he's going to be at least the same, but he's got less experience than Ron has. You've got to remember that. So he's still finding his way in the head coaching circles in the league. And that that shows up later in the year. Early in the year, everyone's trying to find out who they are. People aren't necessarily playing their absolute best teams and plays because they'll do that later in the year. And you can script almost the first four or five games before the season. So now this is the kind of time where being an experienced head coach, weather elements, tight games, playoff implications, stuff starts to come in. And as you said, injuries and also just a roster that isn't that stacked, really. It was an extraordinary run from the Giants, and I'm happy for Giants fans that got to watch it. And let's be fair, they're still going to watch playoff football this year. Mm. Well, they're probably away, but you know they're going to watch it on TV or if they go to the stadium wherever they end up playing so I start you know it's still a great year for them considering what it should have been at the start which I don't know what 6 and 11 mm. was probably the average prediction I think they've done great but yeah I think the commanders can win I think it'll be tight sort of 24-21 kind of game as you said Heineke it's a bit of a motivator and he, yes two touchdowns one pick 180 yards doesn't sound like a lot but he probably runs for 20 or 30 as well to be fair and actually, if you do that every game, you win a lot of games in the NFL because you're making enough big plays. Even though someone else might have the same yards, if they don't have the touchdowns, they just have zero touchdowns, one pick. The difference is monumental. Or if they have two touchdowns, one pick, but only 120 yards, those extra 60 yards you got on those two 30-yard bombs to get your team in field goal range just makes a huge difference. So I think he's someone who shouldn't be a starter in this league at the moment, but is a hell of a backup, kind of the, the perfect guy, really. Yeah, definitely. I, I think for them, and we've seen this, a lot of these like backup QBs coming in, Mike White, for example, you sometimes, when you have a team that has a lot of talent on it, you just need consistency at the quarterback position. You can't have the you know absolute variable performance of a Carson Wentz where one game he's throwing for 350 yards and four touchdowns, the next game he's fumbling the ball every five minutes and throwing picks all over this place so i think sometimes consistency and boring can be a good thing really um moving on to a, a game which is going to be very interesting so we talked about two contenders in the nfc east due to the fact that once again this is another division with winning records all round. so the winning team the the top team of this division in the Philadelphia Eagles, and they are hosting the Titans. Ed, I would say, is this a banana skin game for the Eagles? But because Eagles, I mean, they fly, they, they can't really be affected by the banana skin. So is this a big glass pain game for the Philadelphia Eagles? 
Uh, I like the analogy. Well done. Yeah, um, you taught yourself into that nicely. So the Eagles and um, Titans, are, you know, the Eagles are a great team and the Titans are a good team. But the more I watch the Titans, the more I'm absolutely convinced that Mike Vrabel is a future like Hall of Fame coach. Mm. Because that team is not good. Yeah. They are not a good team. And uh, by the way, but guys, when I say that, I'm not saying they're terrible. I'm not, these aren't the Jags on paper. But I'm just saying, on paper, they are not a playoff every year, um, division winning every year, usually a playoff win every year team, especially this year. Hmm. And Mike Vrabel is doing an absolutely insane job and Arthur Smith's gone now so it's not like you go oh well Arthur Smith just dials up a really good offense and that's why because he's gone now so he hasn't got that anymore and he's still winning games and I know they lost to the Bengals but let's be fair the Bengals were a good team so there's no there's no shame in that so the Titans I, I but this is why I'm going to pick the Eagles for exactly that reason I think the Titans are really 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 well coached and don't have a ton on the field. And actually, in that way, remind me of the Patriots at the moment. They're really, really, really well coached, but they just haven't got the players to execute it at the moment. And so, I'm not saying the Pats are better than the Titans, or even as good as someone said the Titans are better than the Patriots, I'd say fair enough. But I think they're similar in that way, that the coaching is exceptional. The players and playmakers are few and far between. And when you're playing a team like the Eagles in Philadelphia, who are absolutely rocking at the moment and have talent quite literally top to bottom, I just don't see the Titans being able to keep pace with them. Derek Henry will have to run for 250, three touchdowns, something like that. And if he does that, brilliant. And that's what they should try and do. But honestly, 180 and two touchdowns minimum absolute minimum because they have to keep Hurts off the field because that defense will not be able to hang with the Eagles offense and limit their positions, limit the time and uh, obviously score points. Yeah. Now, I mean, the Eagles, they play down. What's well, another team that play down to their opposition on occasion and they've, they've kept bad teams close for large parts. Now, I don't think the Titans are a bad side. and I do think it is a bit of a glass window game. But I would say overall, I do agree with a lot of what you say. I think Vrabel, as you said, well, he's a, an ex-Belichick disciple, isn't he, as well? He so, so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they don't always fall far from the tree, do they? So I think he's just kind of, he's one of the rare Belichick coaches that's had consistent success away from Bale himself. Um, yeah, I agree with you a lot of what you say. I think there's just not enough consistent playmaking talent, especially on offense for the Titans. I think Traylon Burks has started to have some good play. I think Robert Woods had a good game last week as well. But, I mean, you're looking at this Eagles secondary and the D-line and everything else and think you can't live with them consistently. Now, Titans off uh, defense, I think, is pretty good. They'd be even better if they'd had Harold Landry as well, but obviously he was out for the year early doors. So... Yeah, I'm going Eagles in this one as well. But I think it will be a close, close game. Because as you said, I think the Titans are well coached. They have that ability to try and run the ball, keep the game close. And I think the Eagles will, will fanny about too much in the short term and then pull away late, maybe with a, a good fourth quarter performance to put themselves over the edge. Because I think that's what happens with the Titans. In the games that they lose, the, the Giants game uh, last week against the Bengals, they kept it close. And then they just didn't have the talent to necessarily consistently push those close games over the line. So I don't think they do it this week. And I think it's another victory for the Eagles, who 
I'm going to be very interested to see what happens when they come to the playoffs because I just feel they've just had a quite easy time of it. And I think when they play some really, really good teams in the playoffs, uh, probably in the latter stages because the NFC is so weak, I'm wondering to see how they actually come out onto the field. But we'll we'll talk about that later in our playoff preview in the coming weeks. So let's move on to the another game. This is a game that we thought would probably be going the complete other way until what, like six or seven weeks ago when it turns out the Seahawks are pretty damn awesome and the LA Rams are absolutely hopeless. Now, the Rams obviously are missing a lot of big players. Stafford's gone into concussion protocol. I think he is likely to be back this week, but he has been banged up throughout the year. There's no Cooper Cup. Aaron Donald is now out as well. So one of the only remaining playmakers the Rams still had fit and available. He's gone down. So there's no run game. I mean, I think the, the word I've put here for the Rams is unbackable. I just don't think they're backable right now. Even if Stafford comes back, there's so few targets to go around. I think um, uh, Robinson's out as well. I think there's like, or at least he's banged up. So it's another situation for them. And the Seahawks, yes, they lost last week, which is a bit of a, a knockback for them. But they're cause, basically cause their defense is so bad. But I don't think the Rams have the playmakers to to take advantage of that. And I think when you've got Kenneth Walker, who had a pretty bad game last week, but is due a bounce back. You've got Geno Smith. You've got the receiving talent he has, such as DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. I just think there's too much talent on this Seahawks offense to be too worried about anything the Rams can put forward on the field, either offensive or defensively. So I'm going Seahawks in this one, and I think this will be a a 10-point game. I think the Rams have got very little chance in this game, but mainly because of the injuries. I I do think that if Aaron Donald and Matt Stafford were playing, I would bat them. And I know that's a huge deal, Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald playing, but I think people need to just take a little bit of heat off the Seahawks at the moment. I think they've been such a good story and they've exceeded expectations by so much. And Pete Carroll's done such a good coaching job. And Gino Smith being comeback player, I think we've kind of fallen in love with them rightly, uh, which which is credit to them because, let's be honest, everyone hated the Seahawks when they were the Legion of Boom because of the insane amount of cockiness and everything. Yeah. So I think they, they've actually kind of won people around. But I think you've got to remember they are six and five now. I don't think a lot of people know that. If you said what's Seattle's record to people, I think people would go seven and four. Yeah. Some would probably even say eight and three. I, th- I think that's the perception, but they're actually six and five and they're actually playing not that well the last few weeks. Mm. They, they lost to a team they, that nobody's really lost to all year last week. So, you know, that wasn't obviously great. They lost to the Bucks, who are really struggling in London, but they're really struggling. So actually, they've had two or three games recently where they were all not just winnable, but they were favourites and they've lost. So I just think we need to take a little bit of heat out of them. They are clearly the better team in this game. I am backing them. I just think for the next few weeks when they play someone who isn't the Rams, i.e. the 49ers, let's not pretend they're in the 49ers class. I know the records are similar, but they're not in that class. Um, even Cowboys, you know, they'll, they'll play these teams in the next few weeks. And I just think it'd be really interesting to see how they play against them. Because remember, they'll have had a fourth place schedule as well, I think, from last year, or third place schedule from last year. So they've obviously, they'll, they'll obviously have had a fairly simple schedule as well. So 
let's just see what happens in the coming weeks. Yeah, well, Ed putting me on blast there, so I will be getting my own back in the foreseeable future. But uh, one thing to say, obviously, it wasn't London; it was by it was in Munich. Uh, Munich, yes, yeah, you're right. In, yeah, in Germany. Um, I do I put on a bizarre <laughs> fake German accent? It's British. It's the British way. We can't. I, I've just got to do a bizarre, slightly camp German accent. Apparently, um, moving hastily on to the next game because we are the committee of podcasts. Um, Ed. You have an absolute barn burner, probably the game of the of the, the whole schedule. I'd probably say. Um, so you've got the Dolphins traveling to San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara. I should say, not San Francisco, just in case people start getting angry at me. Um, who do you fancy in this game? I think this is an absolute titanic struggle at the top of the NFC standings. As you said, it could be the game of the year so far. It's certainly the game of the week, although there's some good contenders like Chiefs-Bengals is obviously a really good game. Jets-Vikings we talked about earlier. So there are other really good games, but this is the game of the week and perhaps of the year. Dolphins, again, defying expectations, despite the fact that everyone said they'd have a good year. That isn't a surprise, but no one saw this offense coming. I mean, they look like the the, um, greatest show on turf. They're absolutely destroying everybody. And defensively, good. You know, uh, not uh, at the same level as the offense, but they have had some injuries. Some of those players are coming back, and they they do look good on defense. And it's it, they're obviously going to be well rested and mostly injury free when these players have come back. So that they're in a really good spot. The 49ers, the defense has been horrifically brutal. I think you posted that stat. Was it they haven't let up a point in the second half in the last three games? Or something like that. I don't know if I did, but I'm going to claim it and say, yes, I did. So somebody did it. That's just unbelievable. They haven't given a point in three halves. I know the three second halves, it's not consecutive, but that's crazy. And then the offense is, is productive. I think that's the best word for it. It's not elite. It's not even really good, but it's productive. And now Christian McCaffrey's there. That's a completely new wrinkle on that team. I think... Without him, this offense would still look a bit limited. You'd still sort of think, yeah, but what's their X factor? Debo's really good, but he hasn't actually had that amazing of a year this year. Ayuk's been, by his standards, that is. Ayuk has played better this year. Sorry, he's grown this year, but again, not consistent enough. Kissel's having a weirdly quiet year. I know that because I got him in fantasy and he's still being a great player for them as a leader, as a blocker, some clutch catches. But what I'm talking about is look at Travis Kelsey. (laughs) Look at the numbers he's putting up. Was it three touchdowns, three games in a row? Something ludicrous like that. Um, I know it's definitely two out of the three he's got hat-tricks in. So he's he's absolutely killing it. Absolutely crazy. So Christian McCaffrey, I think, has made a really huge difference you know, in that, to be fair. And I'm going to take the 49ers because I think that defence is one of the first really brutal tests that two has faced because some of the other testing defences, he actually hasn't played because he's been injured. That's not his fault. I'm not saying he wouldn't have burnt those teams. He might have absolutely immolated them. But my point is he hasn't really faced that many defences that are really talented this year. So it's a really good test for him. And he might, as I said, might demolish them. I'm not predicting he won't. What I'm saying is it's a really interesting test for him. Um, They've obviously had Wilson running the ball really well recently. The 49ers are number one ranked, so I don't see them running the ball either. So Tua is going to have to drop that pass. And 
that will be and, and maybe with a lack of play action, lack of RPO, which is a big part of their offense. So it's going to be really interesting. Can Tua methodically move them down the field against a really good defense, or can they manipulate open Tyreek Hill and Waddle down the field against the number one defense? And that's a huge question. And then the 49ers offense against the Dolphins defense, yes, is probably the lesser serving of these two things, but is still interesting. Um, and, and how McCaffrey can go and how Garoppolo can go against what is a good defense. So it's, it is an intriguing game. But I'm going to take the 49ers. They're at home. McCaffrey, I think, could burn the Dolphins a bit. I just think this defense is good enough to stop the Dolphins. And I think somebody's got to. You know, even the 2007 Patriots, and yes, I go back to the Patriots a lot because I'm a Patriots fan, but if you go back to that year where the Patriots on offense literally just rinsed everybody, even that year, there were five, four or five games of the 16-game schedule where they only scored 17 to 25 points Hmm. or 17 to 28, something like that. Mm -hmm. So the idea that Dolphins are just going to score 35 points every game, even in the modern NFL, because obviously that's a long time ago when the NFL was a bit more hitty, shall we say, a bit more grabby, I think is, is unworkable. They have to have some games where they come back to the pack, and I think this is one of them. Come back to the Packers. So yeah. terrible teams. Um, so first and foremost, I, I like the way that you talk about, uh, yeah, you talk about Patriots in a good way. It's funny because I also go the other way with the Bears. And every time we do an example of a terrible team, I yeah. talk about the Chicago Bears. Um, keep this short, kind of speed us on to the next game, I feel, because you've kind of covered that in uh, all the points I was going to say. Um, I'm going to go for the Dolphins in this one. This is the master versus the apprentice Kylo Ren versus Luke Skywalker, Blue Milk. It's going to be very exciting. And I, I made me think of that absolute abortion of a horrendous <laughs> mutant donkey semen franchise that the new Star Wars episodes have been. Um, so, yeah, moving on, I feel that uh, the Mike McDaniel is going to have some real things, some real big surprises planned for Kyle Shanahan's team. I think Tua, this is, as you say, a big test for him, a real good defense. But I think he's going to rise to the occasion. And it's not necessarily because I think he's a fantastic player. The fact that he's now short-sighted, short memories that people have. Apparently, there was a list of top players under 25 and Tua's at 10 or something like that. Uh, So we now just thought like the small sample size of like eight games is somehow his entire career resume. But I think at the moment, things are going really, really well. I think it's an absolute hand-in-glove situation to uh, and the Dolphins' offense at the moment. They've got so many weapons. Waddle and Hill are still absolutely fantastic. The run game is better with Mostert, with um, Wilson, who's another guy, another returning son, going back to play the 49ers. And I just think, yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really good game between two really, really good sides. But I'm going to shade the Dolphins on this one. I just think familiarity of some of their players to this scheme will, will really lend some credence and you know give a bit of an upset win i suppose but kind of not really kind of two evening uh ranked sides in my opinion so moving on now to another game of the week you've got the chiefs traveling to the bengals so the bengals are finally getting jamar chase back i believe i think that is the rumor didn't play last week and there was a lot of rumors about him playing but he didn't come on but he is back this week uh joe mixon come me out of concussion protocol they really lost a lot of their run game with some rgp ryan as their only running back 
Although I think he ran actually half decently. I think he ran for a touchdown in the game. Um, but how can you bet against the Chiefs at the moment? I think Patrick Mahomes is just, he's gone to prove that you don't always need an alpha wide receiver one to, and I know I suppose Travis Kelsey's playing that role now a little bit, but he's got so many weapons and he just makes use of all of them. He spreads the ball out amongst everybody. It's just a, a really, it's a clinic on good quarterback play and getting everyone involved and just using everyone's strengths. And it's just working consistently. And, I think someone talked about the Chiefs having a very, very high win percentage at the beginning of the year. And someone else poo-pooed him mercilessly. Uh, that was you, Ed. Um, and yeah, it looks like I think the Chiefs could win out or, or very close to win out through the end of their schedule. They've played a lot of the big teams and they've come out on top in a lot of them. And I think looking at them, I, I think they are probably in my opinion, the most dangerous side to look out for in the playoffs. So I'm going Chiefs in this one. I think they've got a, a decent run game, which they haven't had in forever with Pacheco as their lead run back. I think the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire experiment is now kind of on its knees, but Pacheco's kind of come in and steadied the ship there. And they just still don't run the ball enough, but when they need to, he can get you some good yards. And yeah, you've got Kelsey, you've got Mahomes, and the defense is, they've got some playmakers, Chris Jones, uh, some guys on the back end. I just think overall, they are going to beat this Bengal side who are still up and down as we speak at the moment and will pick themselves up for a big game and then get absolutely trounced in the next one. And I just think uh, the Bengals lose this one. It'll be close because I think they've got a lot of their playmakers back this week, but I think the Chiefs win out in the end. I think this could be the most threatening game left that the Chiefs have. Not just because the Bengals are a good team, but they're quite they're they're quite a good anti-Chiefs in the sense they've got the offense to hang with them. Chiefs want to score 35 a game, the Bengals can score 35 a game. You want to run the ball to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes? Well, they can do that. You want a good pass rush to get after Patrick Mahomes and unsettle him in a passing game? They have that. So actually the Bengals have got a lot of the tools it takes to take on Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I am going to go with the Chiefs, but I'm going to say I wouldn't be shocked if the Bengals win this. Mm. I really wouldn't. I'm tempted to take them, but I'm not going to because, as you said, the Chiefs have just looked unbeatable. But this, they have got all the ingredients. I just, I just think they lack probably a little bit in the coaching department compared to Andy Reid. It's not actually saying Taylor's doing a bad job. It's just Andy Reid's really good mm. and just the odd stud playmaker here or there. Like, I think they need a secondary guy or a safety to sort of take Travis Kelsey and go, I'm not going to keep you out of the game. You're too good. But I can mark you well if someone chips you on the line every play, which, by the way, Bengals, please do. Because <laughs> everyone else seems to think, oh, let's give Travis Kelsey a free release. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. That's why he got six touchdowns in two games. Just unbelievable that people just don't decide chip him. Sacrifice the pass rush. Mm. They don't care if it's your good pass rusher. Chip Travis Kelsey and then pass rush. Yeah. Because it's just unbelievable that the people aren't doing it. But I just think, yeah, they're just missing one or two players somewhere for me to pick them. So I'm gonna go Chiefs. Although I have to say I do love those all white Bengals jerseys. I think they are top, they are top cool. five in the league, definitely. Um moving on to a, another interesting game between one side who um, we have slightly different views on, you, you think that the Raiders should carry on winning and I'm thinking they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. And the Chargers who 
are, well, I mean, we just don't know what to expect from either of these sides. Ed, no. help shed some light on these teams and who you think is going to come out as a winner. I wish I could, but they are very confusing. <laughs> the Raiders have got quite a lot of talent, but just are just terrible this year. And the Chargers have also got a lot of talent, but are mediocre this year. So it, it is a bizarre couple of teams that are massively underperforming. And as we sort of talked about in the sack race, you've got to start looking at the coaches. I, I know we haven't talked about, you know, the Chargers head coach, but... I think he's just about out of it because they're winning enough games and they're still in the playoff hunt and they're, they're just sort of there. But I don't think it would take much for him to slide into our conversations. And I think this is a game that the loser, it says a lot about them because the Chargers can't beat good teams. Hmm. So if they don't beat the Raiders, that's that's a new dip for them. Because so far this year, the reason they've got a final record is basically anyone better than them, they've lost to. Anyone with a losing record, they've beaten. So if they lose to the Raiders, that could be a really worrying trend that they're going to start to just dip off the rest of the season. If the Chargers win, then they continue that trend. But if they've got enough losing teams on their record, they could get in the playoffs. And they could be pretty dangerous in the playoffs, to be mm-hmm. fair. For the Raiders, if they beat the Chargers, that's a nice signature win for them. You know, the Chargers are a decent side, let's be fair, divisional opponent as well. And that means they'll have beaten the Broncos, Seahawks and Chargers in three weeks. Hmm. So three wins on the trot against a good team, an average team and a poor team. It's not Hmm. bad. It's pretty good. And Josh McDaniels might find his way off the sack list. So it's it's quite an interesting game. It's quite a yardstick for both of them. I've gone charges because, Ooh. number one, I don't trust the Raiders to win three games in a row. That's a step too far for me. I prefer Herbert to Carr, so that's part of it as well. I also think the Chargers have more impetus to win this game. They are in the playoff race. The Raiders aren't unless they basically win out. So deep down, the Raiders will know that it probably isn't playoff football this year, whereas the Chargers will know if we keep winning, you know, two out of three will be in the playoffs. So, and this is probably one of their easiest games left. Um, it's in LA, not that, that, oh, sorry, no, it's in um, Las Vegas, sorry. Mm-hmm. So, but that, I don't think that really says too much. I think the Raiders fans are pretty chirpy still down there, but it has it embedded like it was in um, Oakland. And obviously the Chargers fans, are, I don't even know that there's any of them at the moment because they don't feel they're in stadium. So I don't even know where they are necessarily. So, yeah, I just think Herbert will just slaughter that Raiders D. I just think he'll slaughter it. Whereas Carr and the offense, firstly, haven't looked great themselves. And secondly, that Chargers D has some players. Bosa's is supposed to be back. So I just think Herbert will just slaughter that defense. Got two, well, I've got to say two words for you, but it's actually one name, or one full name. Josh Jacobs. This guy is on an absolute tear. He is by far the uh, the most yards in the league for running backs. He was on his way out at the beginning of the year. He played nonsense garbage time minutes in the, was it the Hall of Fame game for some reason? Yeah, Yeah, absolute craziness. Uh, Everyone thought he was on his way out and now he is racking up yards and yards and yards. I think he is what keeps the Raiders in this game. I think Devontae Adams is the cherry on top. I think he will get his yards and touchdowns as well. I'm going Raiders. Uh, I just think they're on a bit of a tear. He's, uh, McDaniels has obviously found some sort of winning formula at the moment. People are starting to buy in. Crosby's been 
pretty good recently as well. He's been getting some sacks for them. As for the Chargers, you've got Staley, who still has his absolute boneheaded decisions with timeouts, etc. You've got the injuries racking up. This defense for the Chargers still isn't very good. And let's be honest as well. Yes, they won last week, but it took a last second uh, two-point conversion, I believe, or very, you know, it was very late in the game to win the game against, it was the Cardinals, wasn't it, as well? So, I mean, this is a pretty poor side. So, ultimately, I can't bring myself to back the Chargers. I just don't think they have the horses to contend as much as we think they do. I think if injuries had gone their way and uh, form and everything else, it may have been a different situation. But yes, I think it's good that some of those weapons are back. They still don't have a consistent run game with Ekla et al. as well. So yeah, I'm going for the Raiders to keep the momentum going and get another win on their resume. So that's two now, Ed. Two differences so far. Very exciting stuff. So we're moving on to a game which probably only has one winner. You've got the Colts traveling to Dallas. What's your thoughts on this one? And I'm assuming it's a Cowboys win. You're on mute. <laughs> classic, <laughs> classic mistake. I was too busy. Do you know why I was... I'll tell you why I was on mute, though. I was looking up Josh Jacobs' contract, and I didn't want you to hear typing and everything in the background, everyone at home. But I was looking at his contract, and he's out of contract at the end of this year. And I think that's... He's played himself into one hell of a deal, whether it's from Las Vegas or somebody else. And he's always been in my top five running backs. I th- I will absolutely take credit that I said way before this year, he is vastly underrated as a back. Um, he's just not as flashy as some others and doesn't play for as good teams as some others. He is vastly well underrated. But anyway, moving on. I think... No, not brilliantly. Although it's not like he can't. It's just yeah. he's not brilliant at it. But... Yeah, but when you can run for, what was it, 220 yards and three touchdowns, who cares? So, you know, that's what Derek Henry does. Doesn't catch the ball very often and runs yeah. for 80 yards, and people love him. So the Colts-Cowboys game, the Cowboys have quietly, I think, for the Cowboys, which is weird, played really well recently. They obviously absolutely dismantled the Vikings completely, and they've quietly been going about winning games. And I say quietly because there hasn't been much press about them. Every time the Cowboys start winning games. It's this is oh yeah, Cowboys. Yeah, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Was that your that. Cowboy think, impression, Ed? Yeah, that's that Cowboys. Cowboy? Fans. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like it. I think <laughs> uh, I'll go get my Stenson, Stenson, or whatever it's called. Um, I think that the, but I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think partly because people have seen this now too many times before, so even Cowboys fans are taking a step back and going, "We'll see in the playoffs." But also, I think people realise that a lot of these games, apart from the dismantling of the Vikings, have been pretty close. And so, much like the Ravens almost, you go, how good are you? Because you're winning a lot of games, but they're all close. And so, are you a coin flip away from losing a lot of those games? Or did you win those games because you're well-coached, a good team, and you ground out a clutch win, which is a credit to you when it comes to the playoffs, you'll be used to being in close games, which is a good thing. So I I think, but it's it's still interesting to see the lack of hype around the Cowboys, considering, again, as you said earlier, the lack of talent in the NFC, the Cowboys could be, what, the second best team, third best team? 
in that conference. So they, they averagely should be looking at perhaps the championship game, but we'll see what happens. The Colts, they got that win under Jeff Saturday, that game of boost, and then they came back to earth on Monday night against a not very good Steelers team. I know they're improving, but let's be fair, they're still not a very good team. So that's perhaps sort of started to end that experiment. Perhaps we'll see. I just think Dallas have got way too much talent and I don't really know what the Colts are going to do to beat them. Mm -hmm. They could run the ball really well with Jonathan Taylor, but they haven't run the ball really well all year with Jonathan Taylor and with this offensive line. So I don't really see why that should change against the Cowboys, whose defense is not necessarily the best against the run. They're not the biggest defense, but they're competent against the run. Mm -hmm. And Matt Ryan passing at that pass defense under that kind of pressure, I don't fancy that whatsoever. So Cowboys win. Um, I also have gone for the Cowboys in this one. I I feel like um, they are by far the better side in this one. I think the Colts' defense will cause a few problems, but I just don't think they have enough offensively, like you said. I think Matt Ryan's coming to steady the ship a little bit, but you can definitely see there's a ceiling with his play now, and you can't really go above that. Um, I am... Um, going to push back against the lack of uh, hype for the Dallas Cowboys and say, and this might surprise you, at the end of the day, I think they might be the last team standing in the NFC. Ooh, I, I, I think, looking at them, I think they've got the talent, they've got an amazing run game, that defense, if it can stay healthy, is good. Da- uh, Dak is coming back, and he is coming back to some level of form and fitness. And, you know, there's some big issues. I think the Eagles, they just haven't really been challenged consistently. And I just think, are they going towards that situation where they have a game in the playoffs where they get caught cold, believe in their own hype a little bit, and and a team like Dallas can definitely take advantage. Um, And obviously, I don't think the Vikings are up to a standard that we all think that their record has given. I think some of that is schedule and some of that is a bit of luck and everything else that comes with things. Um, but yeah, I'm going Dallas Cowboys. I, I think they will win this game. I think it could be a game, like you said, they can leave it close or play badly at points. I think maybe the Colts keep it close for a, a little bit and then the, the Cowboys turn on the afterburn and blast his team out the water in the end of the game. So yeah, I'm going Dallas Cowboys as well. I've noticed, Ed, that somewhere along the lines we've got muddled up on our on who goes first. So I will go first for the last game. I think actually it might have been the last two games you did in a row, which is fine. It's just a fine. That's fine. Um, so I'll talk about the Monday night game. You've got what would have been at the beginning of the year a tasty clash between two NFC South contenders. And instead, we've got two pretty lame ducks playing each other. So you've got, well, I mean, I suppose the lame duck in the buck sense, but they are still winning their division somehow. Uh, so <laughs> Saints are traveling to Tampa to play the Bucks. You've got the Todd Bowles situation where things just aren't going very well right now. Some odd decisions from him, some odd timeout decisions. The offense just doesn't look competent right now, despite all the weapons, despite having Tom Brady. Uh, Yeah, I've still gone for them in this game because I think you can't back the Saints. The Saints are just, just, just awful, 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 awful. They can't consistently get the ball moving they're playing Andy they're consistently playing Andy Dalton despite the fact he is proving he is not the red rifle of old 
Their run game was bad last week. Kamara had two fumbles, I think, in the last game, and things aren't looking good. Even Taysom Hill's not getting some traction running at the moment. And although their defense is okay, I think defensively the Bucks will absolutely make mincemeat of the offense for them. So they'll put their offense in good positions against the Saints D. And also um, the Saints offense does have enough playmakers, enough weapons to make some headway against this Saints team. And so, yeah, I just think another team at the moment that's pretty much unbackable unless they're playing a team like the Rams or something like they did a few weeks ago. But I think you've got to go for the Bucks, even though they've been poor as well, just because they've got more playmakers. And I think on both sides of the ball, they're just probably shades better. So I'm going Bucks to win this one and cap off our week. Ed, what are your thoughts? Well, historically, the Saints have obviously had the Bucks number since Tom Brady's been there. It's been Indeed. a very odd competition between the two since Tom Brady's been there. Bucks have been the better team every single year and usually by a little bit of a distance, but the Saints always beat them. Hmm. And it's very odd. The Saints defence is pretty much intact from the Saints defence that usually gives Tom Brady fits and Tom Brady's got a worse offence this year. So in theory, there's nothing to say that that Saints defence won't be fantastic against them again. As you said, the issue comes down to the Saints offence trying to beat the Bucks defence which is hard with some of the linebackers that Tampa Bay have got. They're very fast, very hard-hitting. So people like Kamara and Taysom Hill don't perhaps have the edge that you'd like to think they will have. And as you say, there is nothing the Saints can do to make that defense back off the run because there's nobody going deep you're scared of. Um, Chris Olave is probably playing, but you can double him because there's no one else and then go, well, he's double-covered. Who are you going to throw to? Our, yeah. our, you know, our, our number one corner's on your other guy, whoever he even is. <laughs> so you got Andy Dalton, perhaps under decent pressure, throwing to a double-covered Chris Alare, and your other wide receiver, who we don't even know who it is yet, who's covered by our best corner. And as you say, it becomes a bit... I won about the Saints. I wrote Saints question mark down. <laughs> I literally wrote, Monday, Saints at Bucks equals Saints question mark. Uh, so I'm really tempted to take them, but I think I agree with you that it's just a small step too far. I actually remember early on in the season, I went, I know, I'm going to be smart. The Saints always beat the Bucks, and then the Bucks beat the Saints earlier in the season. So I think all form is out the window right now, especially with how bad both these sides are, really. So yeah. I think it's going to be a, a game that I'm not particularly keen to tune in on. Maybe maybe I'm wrong and it turns out to be an absolute all-worldy, all but I just can't see it. So, Ed, we only had two disagreements all, all week on a 15-game slate. So you went for the 49ers, I went for the Dolphins, and... You went for the Chargers and I went for the Raiders for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe I fancy <laughs> shoot myself in the foot. Uh, so, yeah, not many disagreements again. It's a very interesting slate. Some really mixed bag of games. Some games, like you said, that are really close that you really don't know which way they're going to go. And then other games where if 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 the Colts beat the Cowboys, for example, I would eat my Stetson if I had one. Um Ed, before we head off, say goodbye to all these good people. Is there anything you wanted to say? Anything, any pearl of wisdom that you had left rolling around in that noodle of yours? 
Um, I have used all my wisdom already tonight <laughs> with my predictions, so that is me fresh out, I'm afraid. This is, and as always always has been, a wisdom-free zone, yeah. this podcast. Um, well, in that case then, everybody, I uh, hope you liked our predictions. Please, please, please go on Twitter, uh, have a go at us on at Shutdown Cover, and uh, we will endeavour to be better, as we've been terrible again for the last few weeks, uh, especially me. Um, but yeah, please tune in. Thank you very much for listening to us prattle on as two English guys talking about the NFL are. And all that's left to do is say goodbye, farewell. We have been shut down coverage and we have loved, as always, having you listen to us this week. See you all next week.